Welcome to the Echo Community Church Podcast. At Echo, we're all about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And on this podcast, you'll hear solid teaching from the Bible from our pastors at Echo. Thanks for checking us out and enjoy the message. Today is Friends and Family Day. We, and thank you for taking us up on the offer. We, you know, Every week really is a Friends and Family Day here at Echo. But we do some special Sundays throughout the year where we encourage, uh, we encourage you to be inviters and be bringers of people and your friends and your family, your coworkers, um, to hear real life stories of real people just like you. Not that I'm not a real person just like you, but you expect your pastor to get up every week and talk about how good God has been to me and how God's impacted my life and to talk about Jesus and his story and my story. But you don't always expect to hear it from other people within God's family, and we believe what Revelation 12 says, that we overcome the enemy by two things, the blood of the lamb, that's what Jesus did on the cross, and the word of our testimony. That's the true story of how Jesus's blood changed our life. And we want to give opportunity and make it as normal as possible for every one of us who call Jesus our Lord and Savior to be able to tell Jesus's story and our story. And these are some of my favorite times of the year when we set aside a Sunday to be able to do this. And to be honest, I didn't ask either of today's speakers to share because I knew their story in advance. I knew little parts of each of their story. I did not know their full story in advance. God just put them on my heart. I asked if they'd be willing to prayerfully consider sharing today. Both of them said yes. And it just clicked in my mind. They both happened to be on our administrative board. That wasn't a strategy when I started this whole process, nor am I trying to terrify everybody on the board that if they want to run for another term, they have to do this in public. But uh, we have another Sunday coming up in, in November, the first Sunday in November. We're going to do this again. Roberta Cooper's going to share her story. Wes Schaefer's going to share his story. But today, I can really truly introduce you to people who I've known for, I've known each of them for years and have come to just appreciate them and their family. They're near and dear to my heart. So all I'm asking you to do then is open up your ears, open up your heart, lean in and listen to their story. You know, the enemy cannot debunk your story. He can't change Jesus's story. He can't change your story. They are inarguable experiences that you've had in your life as it, re- as it relates to Jesus. So our first speaker this morning, will you join me in welcoming Ruth Ann Robust? Thank you. Good morning. Many of you may know me as Wayne's wife, and yes, I am Wayne's wife, and we've been married for 36 years, and what many of you may not know is that uh, Wayne has my kidney, so when it said, and the two shall become one flesh, we took that very seriously, (laughs) but in all seriousness, no, um, many people, you'll often see, I've I'm the woman who runs the meals ministry, so I'm the one that sends you those emails because we need meals for someone in the congregation. But part of the reason why I do the meals ministry is when Wayne was very sick and had been in the hospital for over a month, and when he came home and was going through all that recovery, we were blessed with meals. Um, And the hospital staff was blessed with um, coffee creamers and bagels and pizzas and things like that while he was in the hospital as well. Um, And because of that blessing that we received, I've often wanted to give that back 
to a church family. And it's something that's really simple. People say, well, I don't know what to make. And I says, well, whatever you make at home. <laughs> I mean, I got it, tons of different meals and, you know, I'll always go back to my, you know, favorites. But that's part of the reason why I do the meals ministry. But about me, um, I, uh, it was back in um, the year that the Orioles won the World Series. And so we're going back a number of years here. And I, I went digging for that because I remembered that. And I says, oh, I think there are a couple of people in the congregation that would enjoy that little tidbit. Um, but I was a year out of college. I was young. I was confident. I was energetic. I wish I had all that energy that I had back then now. And I was working for um, a firm outside of D.C. doing government contracts. Life was good. I mean, the Orioles just won against the Phillies. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I, if you ask me about my belief in God, yeah, I wasn't an atheist. I believed in God. Did I attend church regularly? Yeah, but I had no idea who he was. You know, he was somebody in a galaxy far, far away. And I really had no clue. I would go to church out of obligation, but not, nothing more. And then something happened one day, and I always refer to it as the day God got my attention. And that's when, it was November 19th, it was a Saturday evening, and I was held up at gunpoint. And they took my purse. And so getting through the whole ordeal of that, four days later, they found the extra set of car keys that I had hidden in the wallet and they came to my apartment and took the car. So now I'm at a point where I'm realizing, okay, if they were smart enough to figure that part out, they're going to be smart enough to figure out that those keys that are in the car will open up my apartment. So now I became very fearful, very scared, and I did not know what to do. But my confidence was shaken. I was no longer that confident person who could take on the world. Um, the, my boyfriend at the time didn't know what to do with me um, because I was just so fearful of everything, a shadow, a, a sound, everything just totally tormented me. His mother told him that I needed the Lord. What I didn't realize at the time was he was a backslidden Christian. So he was trying to share scripture one night to comfort me. And he said, do you have a Bible in your apartment? I said, yes, I do. And he says, okay, turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Now, for someone who's new to a Bible, if you're going to turn to 1 John, you're going to turn to the first John you come to in a Bible. Not 1 John, but you're going to turn to the first John you come to in a Bible. And so he's reading about perfect love casting out all fear. And I said, I don't have that in my Bible. You must have a different Bible. You know, and I'm trying to describe what my Bible looked like. And he went, no, no, no. And I, and I said, because I've got a woman at a well. And I said, it's got nothing to do with fear and casting out. So uh, it was painful trying to get through, you know, where he was in the Bible. And he says, wait a minute, go to your index. So I went to the index. And I'm, he says, you're in the Gospels. You need to be in the Epistles. And I said, I don't have epistles, but I've got an Ephesians. Well, that is that where you are? You know, so 
Needless to say, it was a struggle, but he finally came by, I guess, the next night or something with a list of scripture verses. And it was those list of scripture verses, and I still have them today. I, they're always tucked into a Bible somewhere, and he was an accountant, so it was done on green bar paper. And for those of you who don't know what green bar paper, that is what we used in accounting before there was Excel or QuickBooks or anything fun like that. And on there was a list of different scripture verses for me and where I could find comfort in this book. So I was introduced to a number of his friends that I had never met before. These were Christians, and they invited me to a Christmas cantata in December. So on December 18th, almost a month after that tragic accident, incident, I gave my heart to Lord at that cantata. And I remember the pastor at that church did a correspondence Bible study with me because it was far from where I had lived. And so he would give me the Bible study pages. I would fill them out, mail them back to them, and then I'd get my other ones back. It was, you got to love somebody who would do that with you. And I remember after I went through all of that, I was trying to find... Um, a Bible study that I could do by myself, you know, because I didn't know where to go to. And I, and I remember finding a Navigator series. And I went through the entire Navigator series by myself. And I remember going to a bookstore and finding it and finding a good study Bible to work with. But since that time, the Bible has become a source of comfort for me. It was the Bible that got me through those stormy times with Wayne when he was in the hospital, and they were telling me he probably wasn't going to make the weekend. But it was, I realized that, yes, perfect love casts out all fear, and that a, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. I learned that... With God, all things are possible. Even when it looks impossible in our sight, we have to look at the bigger picture. And yes, sometimes God will break you in order to save you. And it's a hard reality because it's, it's not pretty. But what I did learn is that in this world, you will have trials. But I learned who overcomes the world. And I learned about his love and his strength and how he can see me through each day. What I realized from that first night, which was kind of ironic, which I never really realized until years later, that I truly was that woman at the well um, when I stumbled across that first John, but I didn't realize it. I was questing for something that would give me that abundant life and have it forever. Um, a few weeks ago, my Bible study, I had a question and I chuckled because I was getting ready to do my testimony. And the question was, it said, in what ways have you experienced God's guidance and protection in your life? And I chuckled because I even shared with the group of women that I'm in the Bible study with, I said, 38 years ago, my life was spared. I could have easily been killed that night. 
especially because not only was the gun held to my head, I chased after the man, screaming that I'll give you the contents of the purse, just give me my eyeglasses back. Um, because I was young and I knew how much they cost. And I was just like, and someone says, why did you chase after him? And I went, I don't know. And I said, but he was taking something that was mine. You know, it was just, you know, and I couldn't explain why I would have done that. I was just, I, it just wasn't there. And I thought, how, um, how, I was just so grateful that nothing did happen to me that night. But what I did get was an abundant life, a life that has, you know, through everything, it doesn't necessarily mean riches, but this abundance in knowing who my Savior is and how he's there for even the little things when I lose the screw out of a pair of eyeglasses and I can find it. I mean, that's to me the the biggest miracles of things sometimes. Um, but I remember a pastor in Delaware, when we would go, when we'd be in Delaware and we'd go to this one church, he would often, he shared one Sunday that whenever he would do a funeral, he would ask for the Bible of the person who had died. And he says, and he always wanted the Bible that they had used either the most to study out of or whatever. And he said, because that Bible told a lot of that person's life, what they had been through, and how what was important to them. And he says he would often flip through and see what passages they underlined, where it broke open to. And I went, huh. You know, and I never, you know, gave that much thought to a Bible. Well, you have to remember, I'm the woman who could not find 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And this is my Bible. It's barely held together, and it's almost is in need of duct tape. But Charles Spurgeon once wrote that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone whose life is not. And I can say that it's probably because I've spent so much time in this word that I've gotten my encouragement to go through those tough times. And it was funny because I was talking with someone um, after the first service, and I said, yeah, because when you get to a page that looks like this, where it's all written over, you realize that something meant something at this point in, in the book. But I encourage all of you, it's, this is what has been the greatest comfort in my life. Even, you know, I do love my husband. Yes, I did give him a kidney, but this has provided probably more comfort than he or any living person could ever provide to me. It's that word. And once you have that word, you have everything you need because it's Jesus within you. Um, I, I, don't, I have recently retired as of Friday, and I'm very, very excited by this. Yes. And... When we were playing bocce ball, someone had said, how are you so good? Now, you have to realize, I was the woman that was picked last in gym class. I could tell. Even odd, okay, I know which team I'm going to be on. I'm just going to go there. Um, but and I looked at them, and I said, um, I, I rely on practice, pasta, and prayer. And with prayer being the most important, they went, no, really? And I went, I'm telling you, it's the prayer. It's the it, and I will give, I will credit everything um, from my quilting to my bocce ball playing. It's all of my talents really just come from the Lord. So I, that's my story. It's pretty simple. 
Um, but I would just encourage all of you to just get into the word. Two days retired. That is, congratulations. That is just great news. It's, I, I had to laugh, Wayne, when Ruthann said, I wish I had all the energy today that I did back then because if you've been around Ruthann, the thing that comes to my mind is never, if only she had more energy. So I, I, I don't know, I can't even imagine what she's imagining that she's lost over these years because... Um, you know, you guys in retirement are probably more active than most of us not in retirement. You told me the other night, retirement is not for the faint of heart because you're like, I've got bocce ball this night. I've got high lie this night. I'm doing fencing this night. We're doing a rodeo the next. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's, a, that, that's, that's just, a, you, you live a very full life that the Lord's given you. You made a statement. And I can't remember if you said it in the first service or anything, but it jumped out to me. She said, that was the day that God got my attention. Have you had a day that you say, that was when God really got my attention? For some of us, you, can, you might be able to think about certain days or events or moments in your lives. Um, I've had those experiences, not a ton of them, but there are definitely some very clear moments where I knew God was the author of whatever that was and he was getting my attention. I'm so thankful, not only that, Ruthann, that you were able to recognize it was God getting your attention, but that God had put in your path a friend who wasn't even, even by your words, maybe a very devoted believer at that point, but knew enough of the Bible to talk to his friend about Jesus in the heels of her trying to recover from, look, she got mugged, she, you know, she's living in fear, she's lost her sense of safety, and that's a very helpless, uh, frustrating, frightening place to be. But her friend pointed her in the direction of Jesus, and she didn't say yes to Jesus right away. It took a month and a half. And it wasn't even then the friend that led her to Jesus. It was another invitation to go to a cantata and hear music and respond to an invitation. All along the way were people just like you and me who lived probably, we would think, pretty ordinary lives. But God brought somebody into their path who was hurting and who was lost. And they weren't too busy to take the time to share with her even a few verses, even a few thoughts that put them right in the path of Jesus. And we are all the better for your friends having made those decisions, for those people taking time. And, and I want to tell you, you might have a friend like Ruth Ann who is going in the middle of something and you see that they really need Jesus and they've not said yes yet. Don't give up on them. Don't write them off. And don't be discouraged if you share truth with somebody and they don't respond right away. It is a seed that gets planted in the soil. And sometimes it springs up right away, and other times it takes some more watering, and other times somebody else may come along later on and, and, and really lead them the rest of the way. But don't overlook those small opportunities you and I have all the time. Well, how do I get to that place? You have to walk close to Jesus every day. 
you read a little bit of the Bible every day. You spend time conversing with the Lord through prayer every day. And what happens is that every day you become a little bit more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's becoming a little bit more like Jesus every day. That's really what it looks like. Interesting, I'll share my uh, Bible story, as as it were. Um, As a pastor, I think you would probably expect that most of us have a small collection of Bibles, and we do. Um, You know, all the different translations and different ones over the years. Um, And so I have have no shortage of Bibles in terms of different volumes and translations. And I would hop around and use different Bibles in different seasons of my life. And then, you know, based on what translation we were using. Two years ago, God really spoke to my heart about leaving legacy for my boys. And, I, you know, I'm like, God, am I really getting that age in life where I need to think about legacy? That seems like much older... But, he, you know, he really challenged, you know, what, after the, at the end of the day, yeah, you, you put clothes on their back and you feed them and you provide a home for them and you, this and that and the other, but what are you really going to leave for them at the end of the day? Well, it's not going to be an, an inheritance of wealth. That's not probably in the cards for me. However, at the end of the day, that really is just fleeting and, and really, really dropped into my heart is all this personal time you spend with me and the the things that I deposit in your life and we talk about as you study the word, that's what I want you to leave for them. And my boys don't really like to receive that verbally from me. You'll remember a few weeks ago, my nine-year-old was up front and I'm trying to engage with the kids on Friends and Family Day and my nine-year-old raises his hand. He goes, okay, dad, I'm bored now. So, you know, not the most effective teacher even to my own boys. But what I started doing two years ago is I just used, I bought, I bought, a Bible, but I bought, it had to have lines and it had to have place that I could write neatly so it wouldn't get all smudged and everything because you and I relate. And so this is the Bible I use exclusively now on those conversations with Jesus. And I started doing what you're doing. Just as I go through the Bible and I study whatever it is that the Lord gives to me, I just start highlighting, writing down when I'm going through something, I write it in here. And at first it was pretty bare, but I don't have like a goal with it other than I want this to be the place where I collect these moments with the Lord. And I, you know, and my intention is, that, you know, that, that when I am not here anymore, that this gets passed on to my boys. Except this morning it occurred to me, I have two boys. <laughs> and one of these, so I don't know how that works. So now I'm in a little bit of trepidation, but... You know, at the end of the day, there's absolutely no substitute for the Word of God. And I encourage you, it is the source of truth and revelation about who God really is. I know it wasn't written directly to me, but it was written for me and was written for you. In my basic, well, where do I start? Read a little bit of the Bible every day. How much is a little bit? You figure it out for you. For some of you, a little bit is pages and paragraphs. Others of you, a little bit is a few sentences. You don't get a medal for how much or how little. What's important is that you read a little bit of the Bible, study a little bit of the Bible every day, and it's going to help you walk closer. Lord, so when the trials of life come, you know, becoming a Christian didn't end your challenges, did it? And I think that's one of the misnomers we have. Like, man, if I just get saved, I'm going to be healthy all my life, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm going to be healthy all my life and never get news from the, you know, that messes everything up. And we think that way sometimes, and that's not what the book says. It says, in this life, you will have troubles. 
Trust in God, trust also in me, Jesus says. And if Jesus says you're going to have trouble, you're going to have trouble. If he says you're going to have storms, you're going to have storms. If you know Jesus, you're going to have trouble. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to have trouble. The difference is with Jesus, I'm walking with the guy who speaks to the storms. On the other side, I can just get what I can get. And so, well, how do I get to a place where, like Ruth Ann, I can face the imminent death of my spouse, or I can face the absolute uncertainty of all of these ups and downs of life, and uh, the absolute fear of, you know, the bad guys have the keys to my apartment. She found relationship with Jesus, and then she marinated that relationship through prayer and reading a little bit of the Bible every day, and she grabbed onto that and held onto that. And so, no matter where you're at right now, I will tell you, it's not some emotional pep talk you need. You need to experience Jesus every day and the way you get there is read a little bit of this every day and spend time with the Lord in prayer. And the other, Rajiv said to me, Ruth Ann, when you mentioned that, you know, Wayne has your kidney. Wayne, that means you can never win any arguments. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you two are one in a way that, that you know, I've, that's, but that's just Ruth Ann. That's just Ruth Ann. Her, her husband needed a kidney. She was a donor match, and she said, okay, I give you, I give you mine. I give you mine. And 38, 38 years? 36. 36 years. 36 years. And thank you for once again reminding me of the Orioles defeating the Phillies in that particular World Series. Yeah, that's, that's not a great moment for me. Our next speaker this morning is a young man that I've known for almost nine years. Um, known him and his wife and now his family. God brought them into my family's life. Um, in a time when we just needed some friends. And I have watched this young man and his wife trust God through tests I have never had to personally experience. And he'll tell you in the story, but I can tell you from as an observer, what he's telling you is 100% the truth. Probably what he's not telling you, but that I'm happy to tell you, is that never once in this whole story did I ever see him and his wife waver in their faith with the Lord. Never never lack in their trust with them, never had a pity party, never put, you know, never felt sorry for themselves. They just trusted God. And I cannot wait for you to hear Rajiv's story. Will you welcome Rajiv Paul as he comes to share? Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Phil. Wow. Twice in one day, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> uh, it is such a privilege and honor being here. Uh, to be able to share my story with all of you. So I have, uh, my name is Rajiv Paul. I have the wonderful honor of serving in E-Kids and also in Royal Ranger. This is my first time. Uh, it's <laughs> yes, uh, don't worry, we're teaching your kids all good stuff. We're teaching them how to bind people up and how to create fire. So it's all good, don't worry. Uh, so... I was born and raised in the Middle East uh, to Christian parents. My parents loved the Lord and served the Lord. We went to an underground church for, for all my life, pretty much. I went to Sunday school, just like we have here, where I was taught the Bible, taught the Word. I learned a lot of memory verses, and being Indian, you have to memorize stuff. You don't have a choice. Uh, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. There's three career choices. Uh, so guess what I am? Uh, so as a part of being in that underground church, that was where I really came to know about Jesus. I didn't really know Jesus 
till 1995 when the religious police and the police in that place had come to our church during our Christmas service and they arrested the eight elders and they threw them in prison and they took all of the identification from everybody else and asked everyone else to report to the police station the next day along with their lawyers. So my mom and my dad had to go to their place of work and approach their lawyer and uh, had to go to the police station and they had to formally sign a legal document which said we will not engage in religious activities anymore. Uh, this was in 1995. Uh, the pastor of, that, of the, our church wasn't there at that time. He was on vacation. He came back a year later and he said, uh, this church belongs to God and it was built on his word. So he once again started up that church and a lot of people fell away. A lot of people uh, stepped away from the faith at that time. But there was, again, there were a lot of people who Jesus is everything for them. And we started meeting again in small groups as two families. And I saw my parents struggle through a lot of that. I saw my parents uh, who were afraid of losing their job any day because of what had happened. And of, they were fearful of what might happen the next day. But I saw them walk out their faith. And that's really when Jesus became real to me. The risk of being a Christian drove me to Christ. And it was at that time that I really began to own my own faith. This was in middle school, and then come high school, uh, on May 11th, 2000, I was baptized in water in a swimming pool, just like how we do it here at Beachmont, uh, which is why every year at Beachmont, it is so special to me to see people having friends and family gather around them and celebrate that, the declaration of their faith to the world. Uh, that has just been so important to me. Uh, following that, I did my undergrad in India, uh, in the northern part of India. It was, again, it was very different to where I had gr grown up in. It was a completely new culture. It was a new language. And the I have to share one crazy story about this time. Uh, this is where I really was by myself. I had to learn about Jesus, learn who he was to me. Uh, that's where I started reading my Bible, like Pastor Phil said, and that's when I started taking notes in my Bible. And that's where everything just really became real, to be honest. Uh, this one crazy story is that I was helping a missionary out in a remote part of North India in the jungle. We were doing a camp out there. We got there really early in the morning. And they said, hey, here's, uh, we don't have houses or buildings, but they were huts. So here's a hut. Uh, you can go lay down for a bit if you'd like to. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who's been sleeping there. I'm rather not. I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, an hour later, I hear this person who comes screaming out the tent come to find out that there was a scorpion under the pillow. The following weekend, my mom calls me and she's like, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? And she was like, hey, this person at our church, this lady said that God woke her up early in the morning to pray for you on this day. Like, hey, is everything okay? I was like, funny, you should ask. <laughs> and I told her the story and she, she was just amazed. Uh, and I have to say, anytime the Lord puts on your heart to pray for somebody to to talk to somebody, to reach out to somebody, to text somebody. It's because the Lord is, is reaching out to them and they need you at that time. It was just one of the crazy stories of that time. Following that, I came to graduate school to Penn State where I met my beautiful wife, 
do we have any Penn State fans in the house? Oh, there you go. All right. We're doing well so far, but we don't know what's up. So let's keep it like that for now. <laughs> Things can change really quickly with Penn State. Uh, so I graduated with my master's in mechanical engineering, and I was working again in the Middle East in power plant construction. Uh, at that time, me and Siva decided to get married, and the big question arose, who's going to resign and move? Is Siva going to resign and move to the Middle East, or am I going to resign and move to the U.S.? Uh, the big question was because I knew that if I had resigned and come here, I would be on a dependent visa. And per the immigration law, you're not allowed to work or earn an income on, an on a dependent visa. You have to either have a work visa or you have to have a work permit. So we knew that, that I wouldn't be able to work right away. I would have to either apply for jobs, I would have to get a work permit or a visa in order to start working. So at that time, it was a really tough decision. We both prayed about it, and we just committed to the Lord. We were like, God, if you want to make this happen, you give us the visa. If you don't give me a visa, we know for sure that that is not where you would want us to move to. And Suba was happy to resign and move to the Middle East as well. And if you know Suba, you know she loves her job. She's very driven in what she does. So that was a big commitment for her too. But we both left it to the Lord. And the crazy thing is that the U.S. consulates do not give dependent visas to husbands because they know that they would come, come here and try to work and do something else. So they usually give it only to wives. But when I went in for my interview, they didn't ask me a question. They, they were so happy that we, got it, that we got married and they issued the visa right away. And me and Suba were able to move to the U.S. Uh, we knew that it would be a while before I could start working, but at that time... We really prayed and we really made a commitment. Uh, in the Old Testament, Miriam, uh, the sister of Moses, after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea, the Bible says that Miriam praised the Lord. We made a commitment that we would praise the Lord before we crossed that Red Sea, knowing that however long it took, that we would praise God through it. Uh, the, the analogy is like being on a boat without a sail and without a rudder. It's like the two things a boat needs. You need a sail so it can, you can actually have movement and you have a rudder so you can point it to where you want to go. But we were in a boat with no sail, no rudder. We knew that God had opened up an opportunity for us to live in the U.S. And that's where he wanted us in this time. And we just trusted God, that the God who brought us that far would continue to carry us through. Moving forward, it took five years before we were able to get a work permit for me and before I was able to start working. We got married in 2012, and I was not able to start working till 2017 was when I got my first job with an engineering consultant. That was really the hardest five years of our life. Uh, we had just gotten married, so we were trying to figure the whole marriage thing out. I don't think we figured that out yet either, even though we have two kids and we're nine years down. Uh, <laughs> I, see, I see people laughing. You know what I'm talking about, yes. <laughs> and in addition to that, uh, we came to Echo Community Church. We met Pastor Phil and a lot of other people our first Sunday here, and I was so skeptical. I did not share my contact information with him. I was like, I don't know you guys. You got to give it some time here before, you know, we get a little bit more closer here. But all good. We, we came back the following Sunday, and we've been at Echo Community Church ever since. 
God really brought us through those five years. He was our Jehovah Jireh. He provided for our needs with a single income. There was nothing that we lacked in those five years. Uh, and Ivana was born towards the end of that. Right after that, I got my first job in an engineering consultancy. And since then, God has incredibly blessed us. I mean, it was nothing I did. It was nothing I deserved. It was nothing that God owed me at all. But God has blessed us beyond anything we could have ever imagined at that time. And those five years that seemed like eternity, right now it seemed like it didn't happen at all. God has so incredibly redeemed that. And it just reminds me, David is one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. David just went through so much and he was just so real with God. He knew how to pour out his heart to God and just be real. And there's a verse in the Old Testament which says, God, uh, David said to God, who am I and who is my family that you have brought us this far? And that is truly our life story. That is truly our life testimony, that God is the one who has brought us till today. And we know that he will continue to lead us. Uh, and the other thing that I definitely wanted to close with is just the privilege that we get to be in this country where we get to worship God without any without any fear, without any uh, fear of consequences, without, without worrying about what's going to happen to me because I'm, uh, because I'm a Christian. And that is such a privilege. Uh, and that is my story. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. You know, we come in every Sunday and we wave hi to people near us and we connect a little bit. And Or maybe you don't. Maybe you're the, hey, I come in, I go to service, and as soon as I think I can slip out, I get out. To each his or her own, right? Sometimes we just don't have an appreciation for, for how far and for how long God has been organizing this family. <laughs> and you think about all the different steps along the way that God was planning to have this family, Rajiv and Suba and Ivana and Joshua, here in Echo family, to be your brothers and your sisters. And he had you in mind in bringing them here. And you look at all the different steps along the way where it would have been easy for them to just, you know, kind of stop doing the God thing. And be like, this is just too hard. I mean, as a man, when I hear Rajiv say, I had to give up my job, and what he wouldn't tell you, but I would, is he was managing billion-dollar projects with a B. And he said, okay, I will trust the Lord. I will move to the U.S. Knowing on the front end, I won't be able to provide even one dollar for my family. And as a guy... And I know because I journeyed with Rajiv, that's a tough thing for a guy to settle with. Like every day my wife goes to work and, and then there's me. And I'm able to work and I want to work and I'm highly qualified to work, but because of laws and statuses and immigration rules, I'm literally like a boat without the sail and the rudder. And yet you had the only sail and the rudder you ever really needed. And not just for a month or six months, five years they waited on the Lord to open up the opportunity for him to be able to deploy his gifts into the vocational field and be able to, 
to provide for his wife and for his kids. And yet, if you were here during that time, this young man, pretty much any time the church met, Rajiv was there. He served, he led the youth for a while, he led the kids for a while, he led the young adults, he pushed carts, he, I mean, this guy who was managing billion dollar projects joyfully took on the most humble roles. Not because of me or a friendship there. Not because, oh my goodness, Echo is just a great, because he loved the Lord. And he had a purpose and a call in his life that even in that humble circumstance, he could joyfully serve the Lord and wait on him, whether he had a lot or just enough for the next week. They were faithful in giving, he shared with me through that whole season. And you told me, he's like, sometimes I would look at the computer screen before I would hit send and just be like, God, are you sure? We've been there. And sometimes we're there again. And yet today, he wouldn't tell you, and I don't want to put all his business out there. He's in, a, in an amazing company and has received, Suba will tell me, how many promotions? Four, did you tell me? So many, lost track of it. Um, and it's not, he's not climbing a ladder. God keeps saying, son, son, come on, son, come on. Because people and influence are like, they recognize the gifts in this guy. And they trust him. And I can't divulge specifically, but trusting him with some major responsibility. And if you listen to him, he doesn't credit his education, though shout out Penn State, right? He doesn't, he doesn't credit his hard work. He jokes even about his ethnicity and the limited choices his cultural, you know, gave him. He credits the Lord for all of it. And yet, even him being here locally and Suba being here locally, we have no idea. You guys don't know this, or maybe you do. I don't know if you do or you're not. You don't yet. Suba, you probably do. Rajiv, you don't, I don't think. After, the, after our first service today, a person from our congregation um, would be fine with me sharing, but I'll just leave it discreet, um, came up to me and uh, somebody I know very well and said, I had just the worst day at work. Works a 24-hour shift. Said, I had the worst day. The worst day. Said, on top of that, I found out one of my good friends just got shot in the street. He said, and so I decided to come here to church today just feeling completely broken apart. He said, I walked through the front door, and he said, Suba and Jackie, Rajiv's wife, Suba, and Jackie Perry from our prayer team, they saw me right away. He said, weeping tears of prayers over me. And he said, can you just pray with me a prayer of thanksgiving for Rajiv and for Suba and for Miss Jackie for sending them here? I, he's like, it just reminded me in that moment how good God is. He said, and he said, I know God loved me. He said, but I know Rajiv and Suba and you in this church love me because y'all have just taken me in as rough as I am. You've just taken me in. He's like, and because they were, do you understand how many decisions could have been made in their life to not put them at the door? today for this young man walking in? God doesn't waste any moments. God doesn't waste anything. That young man needed to make a connection today. And not only when he saw Suba and she prayed over him, but then hearing Rajiv, her husband, share his story. He said, I'm just so thankful to the Lord for what he's done in their lives because it's impacting my life. That's the benefit of being in a community of believers. 
sharing stories with each other, living life together. You heard from Ruth Ann, you heard from Rajiv. Neither of them had it easy. Both of them would tell you, even after I gave my life to Jesus, after I repented from my sins, after I surrendered to his lordship, after I started growing as a disciple, studying my Bible and praying, life did not get automatically easier. In fact, you can make a case in some ways it got tougher. I'm telling you that on the front end. Following Jesus is not just an escape from all of your problems. If you put that expectation on him, the first problem you will have, you'll decide it doesn't work. Jesus said you're going to still have problems in this life, but you're going to have me, and I overcome everything. So what is it that's keeping you from living the fully fulfilled life in Jesus today? What's preventing you from that? Some of you say, well, I've already committed my life to Jesus. What are you talking about? You've committed your life to Jesus, but you're miserable for some reason. You're weak, you're scared, you're afraid, you're intimidated, you're feeling sorry for yourself. You're supposed to be here today, and you're supposed to hear these stories. God knew you'd be here, so what are you going to do with what you just heard? Have faith in God. Trust in Jesus. Surrender to him. Make a decision. Make a covenant with your mind and your lips to obey the Lord and to trust him in all things. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's not making anything any better. I know that's tough medicine sometimes. But sometimes when we're walking through it, oh, we start feeling sorry for ourselves. We start retreating. We start pity party for ourselves. Stop that nonsense. It's not going to make anything any better. Well, misery loves company. Yeah, but that's not where the fun is. That party's terrible. Find something in your heart or your mind that you can hold on to that you know is true about God. Ruth Ann just wrote out a bunch of them for you. See if she'll send you, you know, a copy or a list of those scriptures she carried in those Bibles for years. Listen, those got her through a time when she was mugged and was scared. And that's pretty serious, hardcore stuff. What are you facing today that evokes those same things? I'm not giving you TED Talks. I'm not giving you 10 steps to live with less fear. I'm not giving you a, a, a published book. I'm giving you Jesus Christ is the answer. Putting your faith and your trust in him. And that sounds so foolish until you know him. And then the moment you know him, it doesn't seem so foolish. The Bible promises you that. It says, it says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm at the top of the list of the foolish things of the world. Why are you here today? In God's mind, why are you here? You were supposed to hear what you heard. What are you going to do with what you just heard. I mean, I'm looking at living, breathing testimonies. I look, I mean, I look, Chris, I look at what God's been doing in your family. I mean, Riley makes a decision to follow Jesus, has this awesome experience, talks to you about it. You have a, it was like, what, a week later, two weeks later? And then your mom, right? Like last week we prayed and you looked at me right after. Jesus did something in your life last week. I could absolutely tell she, she's like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, it goes from the granddaughter to the daughter to the mom, all three of you, new creations in Jesus. I mean, in, in like a month, yeah, just a month. God's doing amazing things. It's good to see you, my friend. How are you? You doing good? Still, still fixing cars? Sometimes. <laughs> Putting beautiful cars that you fixed up, though, on the internet, making them beautiful. So good to see you, man. It's really, really good to see you this morning. God's doing wonderful things in this community, in our lives. My heart is so full I'm so encouraged by what I heard through Ruth Ann and Rajiv. You know, they're so relatable because I'm like, I'm not the only one who walks through stuff. 
And I'm not crazy for thinking that Jesus can let me praise him even before the Red Sea parts. Because the bottom line is, I'm at the place in my life now where even if the Red Sea never parts, if I have Jesus, he can part the Red Sea and I'll be happy. He can choose not to part the Red Sea and I can be happy. Because I have the only relationship that ever matters. And that's better than anything else can ever offer me. So as the worship team comes, here's my second invitation. And I believe it's an invitation God's making to your heart. It's better than discover echo. I know it's hard to top discover echo, right? But God's saying, I'm inviting you into my kingdom. I'm inviting you to not live as an estranged child anymore. I'm inviting you to come and have a relationship with me like a father to a son, a father to a daughter. I'm inviting you to leave your past behind you and come in and be born all over again. New life, new creation. He's inviting some of you who have already made that decision to really exercise your faith and your trust in him. To pause for a moment and say, you know what? I've gotten some wrong thinking in the driver's seat of my life. I've partnered with something that's not true. I've believed a lie over my life. And that's now controlling how I feel about myself, how I feel about my family, how I feel about life in general, how I feel about the Lord. And I can isolate and identify that lie. And today, I'm kicking that lie out of the driver's seat. I'm inviting the truth to sit back in there. You have the option, the Bible says, of taking every rogue thought captive. I think that's a word for somebody today. Somewhere along the line, you believed, you're believing something over your life that's not 100% true. That you'll never be better, that you'll never be good enough, that it's all your fault, that you'll do nothing but fail, that it's not worth trying again. That's not the word of the Lord over you. The word of the Lord is that he will not break even a bruised reed. That even a dim candle he will not extinguish. That you are in him more than a conqueror. That nothing can separate you from his love. That in Christ you are a new creation. Old things have passed. The new has come. That he has a plan for you that is good. That is for a hope and for a future. For you to prosper. That you are the head. That you're not the tail. Those are the promises of the Lord over your life. Not these other things that you're just doomed to fail. And that's not worth trying again. And that you'll never be better. And that you're not good enough. That's not the the whispers of the Lord over you. So don't give those things permission to drive the car of your life. Receive the encouragement of the Lord through his servants, Ruthann and Rajiv today. And if you're ready to come into God's kingdom, oh, he's ready to have you. This family's ready to have you. This will be the day for you like, like it was on December 18th of that fateful year for Ruthann. In 1995 for Rajiv, you'll remember October 2021, October 3rd, right? 2021, that'll be your day. That'll be your day when you can say, that's when God got my attention. That's when I chose to really surrender to him. And that's when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you. Can we just bow our heads, close our eyes? If you're ready to come into God's kingdom, you're ready to confess your faith in Jesus, 
You're ready to say yes to him. You are ready for, for life to change. You're ready to be forgiven for your sins. You're ready to admit to him, I have disobeyed you, God, and I know I deserve consequences for my behavior, and I know what I deserve, and that's death and judgment from you. But I am ready to receive forgiveness and new life, which you offer to me freely by grace, by putting my faith in Jesus. If you're ready for that today, oh, is he ready to forgive you? Is he ready to make you new? Is he ready to welcome you in? Is he ready to make you son and daughter? Is he ready to bring you into new family and fill you with all of his power, all of his love, all of his mercy, all of his grace? For more than 38 years, God's been preparing this day. The day Ruth Ann said yes to Jesus, God had this date on his calendar. That day in 1995, when even after seeing all the leadership of his church locked up and his church family having to sign agreements that they won't participate, a young man named Rajiv even saw that side and said, I'm going to lean into Jesus. And because he made that decision, God was able to continue to use him and elevate him to the point where he could share with you today. God was thinking of you even back on that date in 1995. You needed to hear what Rajiv said today. So now what are you going to do? What are you going to do with what you heard today? If you're ready to come into God's kingdom, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Just if you're ready, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve death and judgment from you. But I'm ready to be saved. I'm ready for forgiveness. I'm ready to come into your kingdom with you as my Lord. So with that in mind, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I confess that I believe in you. You are real. You are alive. You are God's son. You lived a sinless life on this earth. You laid your life down and suffered death on a cross as my substitute in my place. And your blood paid the penalty for my sins. I believe God accepted your payment for my sins. Because you rose from the dead. Death didn't win. God accepted your payment and proved it by your resurrection. Therefore, I now have hope that through you, I will experience the same resurrection and follow in your footsteps. So I receive you, Jesus. I welcome you into my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and baptize me. Bring all of your power and live inside of me. Jesus, you are the Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. In your name I pray, amen. 
We hope you enjoyed the Echo Community Church podcast. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the message and began following Jesus Christ today, we'd love to celebrate with you and give you some simple next steps to take as you begin your new life with him. Just email us at info at echochurchmd.com to let us know. If you'd like more information about Echo Community Church, you can check out our Facebook page or our website, echochurchonline.com. Thanks so much for listening.